morning, and welcome to the Wealth Guardian Show. Uh, boy, it's February already. Man, my head seems to be spinning. Things seem to be going faster and faster. You know, February for us is is a month where we really get cranking again, and, and we have a lot of different uh, uh, educational workshops and so forth. We, um, we just finished uh, our State of the Market event uh, this week, and uh, we held two of them. Uh, here in the triad and one down in Charlotte. And this time we did something a little bit different. Uh, typically these state-of-the-market presentations have only been for our clients. And uh, this time we decided, hey, things are changing so fast and, and it's so different in this world. Let's open it up to everybody. And uh, I think everybody had uh, uh, got a lot of good information. We uh, we invited our friends from Horizon Financial, John Bray and Todd Day, to come in and, and help me make the presentation. And, boy, I thought they just did an outstanding job. Um, we also, uh, towards the end of this uh, month, we're going to start back up with our Social Security workshop. So I want to give you forewarning on that. Uh, that will be held at the Broyhill again in Clemens on uh, February 23rd and 28th. At 6.30. So write that down. You can even go on our website and register. It's at thewealthguardians.com and um, and register. You can just call us at 336-391-3409. Now, before I get into today's show, I want to, uh, as I normally do, thank all of our uh, service uh, men and women and our veterans uh, of the armed forces for um, the sacrifice that they have made and are making for us. Thank you so much, folks. We really do appreciate it. Well, I've wanted to have this conversation with you for quite some time now, and I didn't, I didn't really know exactly when the right time to do it. And quite honestly, I was a little confused at, at even how to to have this conversation. But I think with what happened with last week with the president signing. Uh, of the executive orders for uh, Dodd Frank and and uh, and this uh, DOL uh, regulation, it, it's high time to talk about the fiduciary versus the suitability standard for financial advisors, because I'm sure the vast majority of you out there are completely, maybe you're totally unaware of what it is, but if you even know, you're probably confused about what the fiduciary versus the suitability standard is. Now, let me say right from the very beginning, I've been in this business now, let me, gosh, so long I forgot, 28 years, going on 29 years. I know and I have met a ton of my peers all across the nation, especially right here in, in, in this area of the country, the triad and the Charlotte area. I can tell you, with a hundred percent confidence that ninety nine percent of those financial advisors do what they believe in their heart is in the best interest of their client, regardless if they are a fiduciary or under the suitability standard. Most of these advisors I get along with, I like a lot, and be honest with you, there's a handful of them. I could care less for, but I believe sincerely every one of them tries to do the best job they can do for their client. So what is this thing? Well, let's go back. Let's step back to when all this rigmarole got started. 
It's been a couple years ago, the Department of Labor, who basically has the jurisdiction over retirement accounts, your 401ks, your 403bs, basically under the Obama administration, they wanted any financial advisor who touched retirement dollars to fall under the fiduciary standard. All right. Now, let's try to define fiduciary versus suitability. Let's break it down as it exists now. Who is a fiduciary? What financial advisor is a fiduciary? A fiduciary technically today is a registered investment advisor or an advisor, uh, investment advisor representative of an RIA. In other words, people who manage your money for a fee. And what does a fiduciary mean? It means that they, by law, have got to act in your best interest. In other words, they can't uh, recommend uh, mutual fund A versus mutual fund B if they don't think it's in your exact best interest. Okay? Now, let's define suitability. Who is under the suitability standard? It would be your brokers at uh, the major brokerage firms, the brokers sitting in the banks. Uh, It would be the insurance agents out there. Anybody who sells a product for a commission is under the suitability. Now, what does suitability mean? And how is it different from fiduciary? Well, suitability basically means this. The investment that is recommended for you has to be suitable for your needs, your goals, your desires. So you might have mutual fund A and mutual fund B, and both of them can be completely suitable. So why has the government got their panties all twisted up in in a knot over this thing? Because the difference is this. If you could recommend mutual fund A or B under the suitability standard, then there might be an outside reason that you would recommend A over B. For example, maybe mutual fund A is offering some kind of extra incentive over B. Now, remember, they're both suitable for you. Under a fiduciary standard, you have to recommend the fund or the investment tool that is in the best interest of your client, regardless of anything else, period, compensation, whatever. Now, let me say this to you. As I said at the opening of this segment, I believe all financial advisors, the vast majority out there, recommend what they think is the absolute best thing for their client at the time that client comes to see them. It's certainly a standard I've always put myself up to, I'm not going to recommend that you buy a, a, uh, an investment tool that is uh, uh, inferior to another one, regardless of what that company would offer me for compensation or, or, or whatever. I'm going to give you what I think is the absolute best choice for your situation. So has it been abused? Absolutely, it's been abused. Um and I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't, I don't care whether you're under the fiduciary standard or the suitability standard. You can put layer and layer of rules and regulations on top of rules and regulations, and you're always going to find 
a few bad apples. It's always going to be there. You're never going to legislate evil away. Now, at the end of this segment, I'm going to give you two examples to prove it to you. And it kind of it disturbs me a little bit when you hear on the radio or the TV some of these advisors touting that that hey I'm a fiduciary and that's you know that's that's gonna that's the best thing in the world for you. Well, it may be and it may not be. You know, here's what's going to happen: if we all have to go to the fiduciary standard, then because of the heavy legal and paperwork and regulatory things that we're going to have to, to, to adhere to, the bottom line is you, the little investor out there, are not going to be able to get the best financial advisor's advice because you can't afford it. What does that mean? Well, you've heard advisors on the radio say, if you've got $500,000, call me, or $200,000, call me. Well, they've got a certain price point that they'll deal with based on their business model. And under the fiduciary standard, you might cut out people who only have $50,000 to work with. That's what I mean by it's going to cut out a lot of the little investor's ability to get uh, a quality advisor. And by the way, hang around for the second segment because I'm going to go into how do you choose a financial advisor? What are the things you're looking for? If you just joined us, this is the Wealth Guardian Show. My name's Doug Ray, and uh, we, we today are talking about what is a fiduciary and what is suitability and what's the difference, who's under what, what does it mean to you? Most of you probably don't know the difference, um, and most of you probably don't know whether your advisor is a un, operates under the fiduciary or under the suitability standard. Now. I will tell you this, in my situation, <clears throat> because of some of the advanced credentials that I have, we have a, uh, um, an oath, uh, a creed that we have to go to that uh, go by that adheres us to a fiduciary standard. Technically, legally, uh, in most of the products that I sell, I'm under the suitability standard. And honestly, to tell you the truth, it really depends on the individual because I don't know that, know that there's a big difference in it. And, and here's what I mean by that. Under the suitability standard, if I recommend to you a life insurance policy A or long-term care policy A over B, when I take that application and I send it off to the company, it's not just me looking at you and determining is that a suitable product for you. I've got several sets of eyes above me that has to approve that. So it's going through a regulatory process that vets uh, us financial advisors. The idea there is to make sure that we're doing right by you and not putting you into something that, A, you can't afford or you shouldn't be in in the first place. At any rate... They have decided under the uh, order to uh, take a longer look at this. It was supposed to take effect in April. They have uh, basically pushed it out to October. And uh, I hope they do do a lot more investigation and research because all too often when government makes hasty decisions, that brings up that law of unintended consequences. 
And I'm afraid you're going to see a lot of that if this standard goes goes through. All right, this is the Wealth Guardian Show. We'll be right back. And remember, when we do, we're going to talk about how to choose a financial advisor. And then I'm also going to tell you why being a fiduciary doesn't necessarily guarantee you safety. And you're back with the Wealth Guardians. I'm Doug Ray. Hey, today we've had a great conversation about uh, a fiduciary versus a suitability standard and what's the difference and what advisor is under what and, and so forth. And and in a moment, we're going to talk about how to choose a financial advisor. Um, but first, I also want to remind you, February is a big educational month for, for our firm. <clears throat> we do a lot of educational events and the next one you can attend is another Social Security workshop that we'll be having on the 23rd and the 28th of February at 6.30 p.m. in the um, Broy Hill uh, Office and Convention Center in Clemens. So if you want to attend that, uh, go on our website at thewealthguardians.com and register, or just simply call us at the office at 336-391-3409. All right, so... I put out a lot of information in that first segment on fiduciary versus suitability. How does it affect you? How does it affect us? What exactly does it mean? Here's my net belief. My net belief is it's such a thin difference between the two, it doesn't amount a hoot. And here's why. Those people who are touting the fiduciary versus a suitability standard are basically saying that you're more protected if you have an advisor who's a fiduciary. And let me tell you, there could be nothing further from the truth. And here's living proof of it. Everybody in this listening audience has heard of this name, Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff was a fiduciary. Now, did that protect his victims? Hell no. Just recently in Charlotte, the FBI raided the home of Rick Siski. Now, Rick Siski is a financial or was a financial advisor, been around a long time, super successful, very philanthropic. In fact, He gave, years ago, he gave a million dollars to the YMCA, and the Matthews YMCA is named after him, the Siski YMCA. Well, guess what? Rick Siski was running a major league Ponzi scheme. Rick Siski was a fiduciary. That save his victims? Hell no. Rick Siski, unlike Madoff, decided to take the easy way out. A couple weeks ago, I don't remember if it was right before Christmas or right after, they found him dead. He blew his head off. Left his wife and his family. So, my point is this. Whether you're a fiduciary or under the suitability standard, if you got evil in your heart, it's not going to protect you. I'm going to protect you from that person. Now, I want to reiterate this, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I started this show out with this. I've been in this business a long time. I know a lot of financial advisors out there, and I sincerely believe 
5% of them are trying to do the right thing by you. All right. So then, how do you choose one? Because there's a lot of us out there. A lot of us have TV shows. Lots of us have radio shows. Lots of us do workshops and seminars. What do you do? Get the Yellow Pages out and throw a dart at it? I don't even think they have. Do they have Yellow Pages anymore, JB? I I don't even think they do. So let's talk about how to choose a financial advisor. If you had no idea... Of, of a financial advisor, if you hadn't heard me on the show or, or radio or any other advisor, how would you start? Well, here's a simple way. Talk to some of your friends and neighbors that you know, like, and trust and say, hey, do you have a financial advisor and who is it? And get their name. You might collect maybe a half a dozen. And then what you want to do is do some research on your own. Get on their website. Here's what you're looking for. You're looking for an advisor who's got some experience. You know, I, I don't know what the, the, you know, the perfect experience time frame is, five years, ten years, whatever the case may be, but you want somebody who's got their nose bloodied a little bit in this business. You also want to, to find somebody who has some education and some credentials. Now, here's something you probably don't know. To be a financial advisor, you don't even have to have a high school education. All you got to do is pass a test. Now, would you want a doctor taking out your appendix if he didn't have more than a high school education? That's something you need to look at. Now, how much education? I don't know. I don't know what's right. But here's what you also ought to look at. You ought to look at if they have any credentials behind their name. And what do I mean by that? That's that alphabet soup that you see behind some of our names. They mean something. Uh, some of them mean a, a lot more than others. So let me go over the ones that mean a lot. The first one is the Certified Financial Professional. That's the CFP. That is the same thing as a CHFC, the Chartered Financial Consultant. It is the same academic core of principles that you have to go through. It is the same amount of rigor. They are 10 college-level courses that you have to pass a test for, and it takes a good year and a half to two years to earn that. All right? Now, if you're looking at a guy for retirement planning, you want to make sure that he has some grounding in retirement planning. A good credential to look for there is the RICP, the Retirement Income Certified Professional. All three of these are courses that can be taken through the American College, and um, the American College has been around since, oh gosh, almost 100 years, I believe. They, it's a college that basically is, is set up for financial professionals to advance their education. The CLU is another one. It's probably, I think it is the oldest designation you could get, the Chartered Life Underwriter. Now, why is all this stuff important? Why, why do you look for somebody that has an education, some credentials, and some time? Number one, it means that they care about the craft that they're in. If you got somebody who basically is out there just to sell a product to get a commission, 
then you don't have a financial advisor. You just got a salesman. And there's, thankfully, today, there's not nearly as many of those as there was when I first got into the business 28, 29 years ago. Most of those folks have kind of washed out over the course of, of time. Now, so I want to say this to you. You know, retiring in today's economy, it doesn't happen by accident to retire successfully. You know, it's a lot more than just putting money in a 401k and investing for retirement. You got to have a plan. You absolutely need to have a plan. You know, it's got to be a plan that, that tells you when is the optimal time to claim your Social Security benefits. It happens with a plan for when you'll withdraw money from your IRA, your 401k. What order should you start withdrawing? Should you do Roth conversions? It happens with a plan to turn your savings and investments into an income workhorse, an income you cannot outlive. You got that plan? No, not yet. Well, it's time to take the first step. Come and see me. I will give you a customized five-point retirement master plan. Let me prove this to you. Get a second opinion if you want, but let me prove it to you. All you got to do is give us a call at 336-391-3409. This is free, no obligation to all my listeners out there. 336-391-3409. All right, so where was I on how to pick a financial advisor? Let's go back to the website thing a minute. Um, because you can actually tell a lot about a financial advisory firm uh, by looking at their website. What you're looking for on this website is something that has content, it's robust, and it, it's informative. In other words, it may have um, lots of downloadable material that you're interested in, such as Social Security, income planning, life insurance, estate planning. It could even have uh, little uh, videoed workshops where the advisor himself is talking to you about some topic. Uh, it could uh, have the radio shows that that advisor does or the TV shows uh, in a podcast format on on that on that website. Now, why is that important? Why, why is having a robust, content-rich website important? Well, I've seen websites out there where all you do is you just go to it and basically you land on a homepage, and that's it. There's maybe an about us or something like that. But be, the more content that you add to a website the more expensive that website becomes. Now, what does that tell you? Again, if that financial advisor is willing to put more money into their practice, then that tells you right there they're serious about their craft. So you're looking for that kind of thing. You're looking for, you know, advisors who have been in the business a while. Uh, you're, you're looking for advisors who, who have taken the time to get extra training. And, and, it, and I've talked about that a moment ago, but it's more than the continuing education hours that we are required to get to keep our license up. It's the extra stuff, uh, the extra stuff that we have to pay money out of our pocket to go get. You know, I routinely go to educational uh, events across the country. 
And I've told you I'm a member of the Million Dollar Roundtable and the Forum 400, and, and we go to educational conventions once a year. And it costs money to belong to these organizations and obviously to go uh, to these um, these conventions. I mean, they don't pay for us to go to them. we got to pay to be there. So it's important to keep that kind of context in mind. Now, <clears throat> the next step you should do is actually pick a couple of these folks, go meet with them, go through the planning process, and spend some time with them and see if there's a personal connection there. One may connect with you over somebody else. And once you go through this kind of process, then I think you're going to find somebody that will be your financial advisor maybe for the rest of your life. Well, thanks for joining us today on the Wealth Guardian Show, and uh, we'll see you next week. 